Welcome to Cabin Minute Cast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. Hey, and I'm Molly Balin of LittleRedMark.com. And in today's episode, we're covering minute 54 of the movie, The Cabin in the Woods. And in this minute, Dana and Holden get into a little bit of a tussle with Matthew Buckner. Yes. So as promised in the previous minute, it uh, doesn't take long for the action to start. But um, kind of a following up from last minute, we see that Holden says, uh, let's just check the walls, okay? So they're like looking for Kurt. So they're kind of banging on the walls and Dana says, Kurt, you know, so they're like trying to figure out where Kurt is in relation to where they are. Yeah. And like we were talking about, from last minute, Holden is really trying to be the forward hopeful party here of like, we just need to figure this out. We just need to get out of here. And he's actually making a bit of a comment here. I mean, as they're looking at the walls, he's like, I mean, I mean, there's got to be something. And then he takes an epic bear trap to the back. (laughs) (laughs) and it's just oh my god there is an just an immense blood spray here if you pause this just right you can totally get just the you know the the splash back from when it actually hits his back it's very impressive (laughs) yeah and i really like how they've used the 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 single light is that lamp hanging down through the whole um, in the ceiling. And so he's walking by it. So sort of in a, almost a hero walk, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a just kind of a man in control, a man that knows what he's going to do next. And the blood splatter could almost be like wings coming out of his back, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like, a <laughs> <laughs> but instead it's because that big old bear trap has plopped on down and there's just enough of a swing to it that it's just gripped right on to his back and and it just instantly yanks him up and it just I don't even want to think about the pain that something like that if it was real you know actually would be oh it's a very God. very effective very effective horror movie creepy thing and he actually flops over on his stomach Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then is yanked, totally yanked up, and he's gripping the ceiling as he's trying to, you know, hold himself so that he doesn't, I guess, get pulled all the way into the, you know, into the cabin again. Yeah, I mean, this is like a crazy strong zombie because he just, I mean, this is like, what, 10 feet? <laughs> just yanks him up from like across the room. Totally. It's just out of control. He's like straining a bit to hold him, but not too much, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and this is jumping forward, but dude's just going to walk this off, you know? I, I just brush that off there. Just get me a Band-Aid and, you know, no problem. But yeah, it's just, this is crazy with him out of the, the hidey hole. Sorry, not the hidey hole. The uh, <laughs> the cellar door, trap door. Right. Yeah. Dana does an excellent job of launching herself onto Holden to try and, you know, grab him and, and pull him back downstairs. Um, and unfortunately, it uh, takes Matthew Buckner with him halfway into the black room. 
Yeah, it's really cool what she does. Like, she doesn't really hesitate, and she's, like, fighting for Holden's life, really, here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. But, yeah, I like that Matthew flops down, and he's still holding on to the the chain and pulling at it, and then Dana grabs this crowbar from the ground it was funny. I was looking up crowbar just to make sure I was like, I think that's a crowbar, right? So I just Googled crowbar and I just thought it was funny that under Wikipedia, it says a crowbar also called a wrecking bar, pry bar or pinch bar, or occasionally a price bar or sometimes called a jimmy, jimmy bar or jemmy, gooseneck or pigfoot. <laughs> pigfoot. <laughs> so she picks up that pigfoot and doesn't she she says something to him here right i believe it's uh yeah you like pain right <laughs> and then she drives the pointy end through matthew's face kind of like his cheek zone and just i mean with so much force that it actually goes right through his face and you see it go through the back of like the door i guess and you see it make contact on the other side of his head. Yeah, you see that stringy hair. <laughs> yeah, just launches right through his head, which, yeah, that's a pretty, in, well, you know, it's pretty impressive force to, to literally nail him to the wall. Totally. Yeah, and you'd think that might do it, but then, um, and he's still for a couple seconds, and then his eyes pop open. <laughs> His arms start moving again. It's like, wait a minute, what? I just stuck. Oh, yeah, you're a zombie. <laughs> right, right. And that's the, you're right. That's the scary part of the zombie is that it, they're just so goddamn hard to kill. You know, they're already dead. So, you know, short of, as we, we will find out later, short of dismemberment, they just don't fucking die. They just won't stop. Yeah, so we do have that temporary reprieve and then, you know, the music shifts again of that, you know, intention music and his eyes open and he moves to try and, and pull the crowbar out of his chest. Or out of his... Or sorry, his, his face. face. I apologize. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, he uh, he moves to, to move the crowbar out of his face. The cheek, the chest of the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, he's going to take the, the knife to the chest. Yeah. But yeah, the, the initial blow goes, goes right through his cheek. Yeah, and then Dana kind of looks at him like, what the fuck, dude? And she backs up, goes to that trusty table of tools that has a lot of like all sorts of things with wooden handles, a lot of jabby, stabby looking <laughs> tools. And she grabs um, a knife and uh, goes for it. She just goes right at him, not once, but at least three, four, five, six Six times stabs him in the chest. The chest of the body. <laughs> <laughs> Not the chest of the face, but the actual chest of the body. <laughs> yeah. Pretty impressive. A lot mm -hmm. of, lot of yeah. force. And then, like, like you said, then Holden just kind of stands up with a hand on his back like, hmm, my back hurts a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody get me a heating pad. <laughs> Yeah, and I I guess we're to assume that somehow, and I think we hear a bit of a foley of the, a bit of a sound of the clank of maybe the um, the bear trap 
you know, falling falling mm-hmm. off of his back. But it does it does seem mm-hmm. a bit far fetched that he's able to just stand right up and kind of rub his back. And then he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and that's always that that's just that that has bothered me with with so much realistic violence in this movie. The fact that he doesn't need any type of like assistance moving around. He's just like, ow, like I just got out of bed kind of wrong, you know, that kind of motion. And he's just, you know, walks it off is is kind of crazy, especially with that blood spray that we just saw a minute ago. But anywho, I digress. <laughs> so yeah, he just walks it off. And then we go back to the control room where Hadley's like, oh, he's fucking zombies. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, just like, oh, love of God. <laughs> yeah, I love it how then, again, we're just pulled back into like, oh, yeah, this is all something that's being watched and being played out. And it's so funny. It's so hilarious. Yeah, but you know, Matthew's not down and out quite yet. But uh But yeah. at this moment he yeah. it appears to be that he is. Yeah. Yes. At the at this moment, uh Matthew's taking right, a time right. out. So <laughs> <laughs> understandably. Now I understand. This is why you gotta, you know, burn these guys or take a head off or something or yeah. So yeah. yeah, and then the the last thing we hear Hadley say is is the a, a tease of what he'll be finishing up on next week, which is uh, remember when you could just dot dot dot. Nice little place to end, I think. A nice little Friday spot, you know. We're we're yes. deep in the meat, as I said last. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. So true. So true. When you take a, a crowbar to the, the chest of your face, um <laughs> you are definitely deep in the meat. So yeah. Matthew, man. Matthew really is the scary one. Yeah. And you know, I just like I look at these these tools and you know, there's just nothing more creepy than a bunch of dusty, wood handled, rusty, sharp implements just sitting on a work table you know yeah the implements too they look sort of timeless most of them you know they kind of look older Mm -hmm. and the crowbar i think looks a a little bit like the most modernish looking one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i do have a little bit and i and maybe this is getting deep in the meat so to speak but uh it's kind of funny that there's just a crowbar laying in the middle of the floor just makes you wonder, like, why is the crowbar here? You know, separate from everything else. Um, yeah, I was just gonna. Sorry, I was just looking at the Wikipedia again, and it actually it mm-hmm. says it's dated back to the 1400s. No I always shit. think of it as sort of a modern tool, wow. I guess, because it's one of those tools that that's so handy that people, you know, still use use mm-hmm. them. But it says they were also called simply crows or iron crows. Shakespeare used the term iron crow in many places, including in Romeo and Juliet, Act 5, Scene 2, get me an iron crow and bring it straight unto my cell. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um. Let's see. In Daniel Defoe's 1719 novel, Robinson Crusoe, the protagonist uses crowbars as pickaxes, but refers to these tools as iron crows. As the pickaxe, I made use of the iron crows, which were proper enough, though heavy. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just was like, oh, these actually are, this is an old ass tool. (laughs) 
Yeah, I really, I had no idea. Like, I just, I guess that really makes sense because it's helpful to to pull nails out and yeah. break into doors and it's definitely know. a <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely it's a, a good wedgeable tool. Yeah, and apparently it's also very successful in nailing a zombie to a wall. So it's. We, we've seen it used in a variety of capacities now. So yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's the only thing about this particular minute that I, I find to be, again, having to stretch my suspension of disbelief a little bit is is having just like, oh, look, there's this casual tool here laying down on the ground. And, you know, it makes sense in, in the black room. But, you know, I don't, it makes sense to me that there's like a bunch of stuff laid out. I guess the other question that I had and that I was kind of curious about whether you thought this was just like a holdover for when the Buckners were there or you were thinking maybe this was the control room had actually like laid all these tools out for them. Yeah. That's like a this good was question. Like a set I think, I think it's supposed to look like the Buckners left it there, but that it is something that the control room put out or that, or whoever it is that's, yeah, that does the set dressing, like you said, whoever is responsible for putting out stuff so that, Mm -hmm. so that it's a cohesive story that they're kind of working their way through and also makes, makes for a compelling Mm. story for um, the gods, you know, we want it to be interesting for them. So that might be why somebody's like, let's mm-hmm. throw a crowbar in there too. Let's see what happens, you know, see how they use that, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. mix it up and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, see what tools maybe keep things, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good thought because as much as I'm sure these guys would want to get things done and wrapped up as soon as possible, they're also needing to put on a show. And so there has to be some level of dramatic tension. That's why, as we found out earlier on, there's a story department. So it stands to reason that some of these things, like you were saying, like, let's just throw a crowbar in there and see what the hell happens and, you know, see how this gets used because they don't know how it's going to end up playing out because they're just trying to like a reality show, trying to throw elements in and see how the players end up reacting to the the scene and the setting that they provide for them and and the I guess the set dressing tools basically so yeah it's an and, interesting um, thought just so. to tease a, a fairly soon coming up minute we're gonna see something that connects the tool that she's chosen this knife to the control room mm-hmm. yes stay tuned everybody stay tuned because. <laughs> Yeah, I was, was going to come back around again. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, is there anything else that stood out to you about this? I don't pretty think so. I just minute? think it's great looking, you know, great set design, great lighting design. Um, as, as Dana's stepping away from Matthew, the light is revealing. It's kind of like coming cresting over her like a sunrise and shining on this gross body that's hanging down and some of the uh, other stuff that's hanging down like we said there's just some different um cables and things and it's just uh, it's cool it's nice and and dark and creepy and the lights kind of orangey and yeah just looks cool it's great great job nice and and, uh, you know, we get little glimpses of gore, but you're not 
just lingering on it forever, which I like. I, I, I prefer that kind of gore where you get a little glimpse and you're kind of like, ew, but you're not like stuck just looking at something really nasty. So it's got the, the perfect level for, for mm-hmm, my taste. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it moves really fast. Like I found I had to really slow down and and go slow-mo with the minute so I could catch all the the individual cuts you know and like the gore like you're saying where you have that quick snap of the the crowbar going through and just the blood and the hair and the yeah it's just it's super quick you know you're not you're not lingering on a lot of that bloody scene it's just and it's also you're you're getting this feeling that you're you've got the adrenaline and the anxiety in real time. So yeah, you're right. It's, and it's what really I, well done I always appreciate with a movie, any movie is that when the action is happening, that it's still all makes sense. You're not going like, wait, what's going on? Who's that? Wait, where are we? You know, like you can really mm-hmm. tell oh, the yeah. camera doesn't have any extra moves that it doesn't need to tell the story there's not a bunch of weird quick cuts and mm-hmm. <clears throat> i still see so many things even just like tv shows i'm watching and they're trying to like almost handheld situation and i'm just thinking like i feel like they're trying to use the mm-hmm. handheld style of camera shot to make the action more exciting or more realistic or something but instead i'm just i can't tell what the fuck is going on and it's not enhancing anything at all so Mm -hmm. i really really just like how smooth and and how sensible all of this is and it's it's uh yeah nothing extraneous Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a really good point where i think handheld doesn't always get used to its best function where it's so choppy and it's so shaking so bad that you're not actually registering what's actually occurring. The action's just a blur and it's just disorienting. And so it's okay to have a sense of, oh yeah, this is, I get what's happening. I have a sense of disorientation, but it can't be so much that you can't actually register the action going on. And there are several action movies You know, I think of, you know, the first like Casino Royale did a really good job of like slowing down so you can see all of the minutia of the action. I'm thinking of like Quantum Assault that I remember some of those scenes that went by so quick that I couldn't actually register the action for it. So slightly different. But yeah, I I agree. I think this is when it's done really well, you can discern everything that's happening. This is handheld too. It just reminds me of when people use handheld. Yeah, just so people listening are oh, going like, yeah, no, 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 totally, totally. It, like, I don't it think it is re- either, but it it reminds me of how how often people do that, mm-hmm. or how how that can really mm-hmm. can not always, but can be something that you said, like you said, it's distracting. You can't tell what's going on, and just disorienting rather than helpful. And this one, mm-hmm. everything's nice and smooth. And there's a lot of camera shots that mm-hmm. are just, they're not panning, they're not moving around a whole lot. But it, so you can just see what's happening and all of its gory goodness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the blood on him is like a little extra dark, you know, so you have that sense of he's not 
living. Right. Like the blood is coagulated or it's old or something. So yeah, yes. so it's not like a yeah. like a regular human being. Yeah, it's got that almost like slimy sea creature darkness to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well, mm-hmm. totally. <laughs> now yeah. that we've kind of gone through this, this, uh, <laughs> like you said, action packed minute, um, would you like to move on to our rec- Friday recommendations? I'm just kind of laughing because we have lighter recommendations in, <laughs> you know, this in comparison to what the content of this particular minute is. It's kind of funny. <laughs> so I'm like, yay, let me talk about this happy book that I have. <laughs> So uh, my recommendation is called The Handmade Marketplace, How to Sell Your Crafts Locally, Globally, and Online. It's by Carrie Chapin, and it's illustrated by Emily Martin, a.k.a. The Black Apple, and Jen Skelly. So I consider myself to be a crafty, crafty chick, and I've sold crafts on and off over probably the last decade or so. And when I first started looking to bring handmade goodies to the marketplace, I had picked this up and it was originally put out in 2010. Of course, we're now in 2018. So uh, there are some things that obviously have advanced and a little different, you know, social media and technology and whatnot. But I really find that it's an excellent handbook for somebody who decides they want to have a side hustle or has always wanted to like, you know, whatever special thing that really lights you up to make that you would like to share with other people and, you know, make some scratch. I think it's an excellent little guide to be able to give somebody who's starting out some guidance as far as like, hey, do you want to put this online and sell it? Do you want to do Etsy? Do you want to have your own website? Do you want to go to a craft fair? Do you want to do like a really big craft fair? And like, what would that look like? And how do I handle all the aspects of my business? And so it's a really great, concise, cute little crafty, pastel graphic design book. And I found it to be really helpful and and it's something that I still reference on occasion to be like, oh, yeah, what did they say about this thing? And so I think even though it's eight years old now, I think there's probably 90% of the information just is completely legit and stands up. So like you, I've done that myself. I've, I've worked at craft fairs selling some of my own stuff and then also have worked for some other folks and, and uh, you know, sold things from behind a table many a time. And I have that book. And I also have that book in my lending library at (laughs) Julie's Coffee and Tea Garden. I fill that lending library with all sorts of stuff kind of along the lines of the themes of creativity and getting over your fears and getting into your uh, creative mindset and getting your stuff out there and, and some mindfulness and compassion kind of stuff. But, you know, all the stuff I do, my coaching around and that that book is in there. And I just noticed Mm -hmm. online that there is a second edition. So it's still a few years older. I think it came out in 2014. Ah. But it says the Handmade Marketplace second edition updated and revised. So that's something to, to check out too. Cool. Great recommendation. So what is your Friday recommendation? I think we had talked a little bit and you were saying something about a 
meditation app. Yeah. A lot of folks out there, you may have already heard of Headspace, maybe you already use it, or um, maybe you, you know, have your own meditation practice, or maybe you go somewhere and do meditating or all, you know, there's a lot of different ways to meditate. Or maybe you've heard about meditating and tried it and just haven't gotten into it or have gotten frustrated. And, and so the reason I wanted to mention Headspace is because it is something where, you know, somebody else is kind of leading you on the journey. So Andy, who who developed it, he's the voice that speaks. And so he does guided meditations with you. And, um, you know, they start with some absolutely super easy 10-minute meditations. And he really guides you through those. So he talks quite a bit in the first gosh, the first 20 or 30 meditations that you go through, he's really kind of talking you through. So I found that having somebody sort of guide me and prompt me and somebody that has a nice, pleasant voice and helps me think about things like mindfulness and compassion and and all that good stuff and sort of, you know, why he, he often asks, you know, think about who might benefit from you doing this meditation and that kind of good stuff. It sort of helps you think about how you're helping yourself and mm. how people around you can benefit from it. <laughs> and, uh, and then as you progress and, um, have you know mm -hmm. logged in more more and more sessions then he speaks a little bit less so you kind of you know get more into the the quiet meditation where you're not hearing a voice and then one of the um there's several different packs that you can go through uh, depending on what you kind of want to focus on and the one that I go through has a visualization in it where you're visualizing he calls it golden like sunshine or like liquid gold sort of flowing into your body from your toes up into your head and then overflowing. And and I could just feel like myself sort of melt into relaxation when I'm meditating. And so I really like that one that has the visualization part of it. And within the app, there's just these great little videos that kind of show you they're animated and they're really clever, cool animation, and uh, they kind of help you out. So yeah, I, it's really been helpful mm. to me. Give it, give it a whirl if you've been um, thinking about meditation, but, you know, feel like you're not really sure how to approach it. Uh, Headspace has been just great for me. And so... And I know you know quite a bit about meditation because it's something that you're really into and have studied for quite a while. So, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I haven't used Headspace. Um, I use uh, the Insight Timer to track and um, I've used the Insight Timer since I think 2013. And so it's gone through quite a bit of, of different incarnations to it where initially it was it was a pretty stripped down app where it was just a matter of getting people globally together to sit. And what was really cool about it, and probably Headspace works similarly, is that when you come online, you can see all of these people who are meditating at the same time as you. So when you sit for, even if it's 60 seconds, it's a minute, it'll tell you there are all these people all over the world who are also sitting. So it'll tell you like 10,000 people sat with you and it'll show all these pictures. And so there's a level of connectivity because meditation is a is a very solo activity. Obviously it's, it's you sitting. So having something like an app is, is helpful not only to 
provide, I think, a little bit of support for you to to sit down and do it, but also the sense of community. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's all I got to say on the matter. Cool. Well, thank you guys for showing up for this episode, and we will see you back at the cabin. 